Hey everyone, this is Will from Beijing, China, and welcome to this brand new and exciting episode of The Missing Piece. If you can use one word to describe the year of 2021, most of us could come up with the word pandemic. Indeed, the pandemic absolutely changed who we are, and not only as an individual, but also from this political sense, it shaped the entire world. However, to some extent, other people might describe 2021 by using the word chaos. For example, nations such as Germany, Italy, Latvia, the United States, even France, Austria, and so many more. People are taking their frustrations to the street. Not only just about the rules under the pandemic. But also related to political shifts, we can see how the younger generations today—they are not only using their power and their words trying to change the political agenda, but also they are making connections internationally. However, in this episode, I'm interested in talking about one critical country that most of the media have missed out, which is Belarus. I am not the expert on Belarus. So that's why today it's my great honor to invite Pavel, who is a visiting fellow at the European Council on Foreign Relations, and he works on Belarus-related issue, for example, its domestic and foreign policy, relations with Russia and the European Union, and the relationship with the United States. Pavel, welcome to the missing piece. Thank you so much. Sir, let's get started with the first question. As I mentioned before, Belarus—it's one of the critical countries that most of the media content miss out completely in the year of 2021. But from your perspective, since you are the expert, let's start with a simple question: How would you describe the current leader of Belarus, and what are some of the critical and important factors that the whole world misunderstood about this person? I would describe the country, not the person. Maybe Belarus is a typical authoritarian regime, and Alexander Lukashenko, who is now、uh, calling himself a president,、uh, he has been ruling the country since 1994,、uh, the first and the last、uh, democratic elections in Belarus.、Uh, since he、uh, has been elected, no more democratic and free elections、uh, were in Belarus.、Uh, so、um, Belarusians. Usually live under repressions, but what happened in 2020 when he lost elections? Really lost elections, not officially, of course.、Uh, to Svetlana Tikhanovskaya, democratic、uh, leader of Belarus, those times、uh, just a candidate of protest movement.、Uh, he uh, multiplied it. He increased the level of repressions. I don't know how many times.、Mm. So, if you describe、uh, the year. 2021 for Europe as pandemic. I would say that for Belarus since 2020, this is the pandemic of repressions. We、uh, Belarus is having more than 1,000 political prisoners now. Though before the election 2020, there were almost no. So、um, to let you、um, to explain you better how Belarus functions, 
and how it functioned before. Uh, Alexander Lukashenko was elected in, as I told, in 1994, mm. and those times he was a pro-Russian leader. So uh, one of the pillars of his regime are the support for Moscow. But since uh, Russian foreign policy changed and has been changing uh, after uh, the occupation of uh, South Ossetia and Abkhazia in 2008, then annexation of Crimea in 2014, under uh, Alexander Lukashenko understood that there is a threat from Russia to him too. So he decided to balance his foreign policy so that it doesn't uh, only depend on Moscow, but uh, would be balanced, neutralized with, with his relations, with cooperation with the Western countries. So since 2014, uh, he has been building better relations uh, with uh, United States, European Union. The country has been opening up. Uh, it introduced the visa-free regime for uh, 78 countries of the world. Uh, it signed the uh, visa facilitation agreement with European states. Um, also, there were like a lot of activities in Eastern Partnership region. And in order to um, further develop, further improve the relations with the West, Lukashenko had to uh, also improve the situation inside the country. Mm. So he had to limit the repressions inside the country. And the country has been uh, liberalizing bit by bit since 2014. This uh, gave a chance to uh, uh, NGO, business, uh, and other alternatives, uh, other movements in Belarus to grow up, to become stronger. Mm. And it uh, blew up in 2020 when uh, there were presidential elections in August. So Lukashenko saw it and he decided to crack down uh, as as harsh as he, as he could. So he arrested all uh, his opponents who wanted to participate in elections, uh, almost all of them. Or all of them. Um, and since those times, uh, the repressions are being increased uh, every day. So this trend for uh, good relations with the West, it ended with this presidential elections. And now Alexander Lukashenko's rule, uh, he, 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 he keeps his uh, power just because of he has loyalty from uh, bureaucrats, nomenclatura and siloviki, and thanks to, to Moscow's support, both mm. financial and rhetorical and political. I want to ask you one question, which is, again, very critical to our audience, that we know in the year 2021, at the border between Belarus and Poland, and we saw the refugees who escape from those war-torn countries. And if I'm not mistaken, 2021, that was not only about the pandemic that the country, I mean, most of the countries were fearful about, but also about the number of the refugees could be admitted to the country without, you know, uh, changing the constitution or without uh, bringing threats potentially to the domestic policies. But however, in terms of the refugee policies in Belarus, if I'm not mistaken, Pavel, Lukashenko was very strong and firm to be against the idea which is open up the border to the refugees and that was not a good or a welcoming sign to the international community. So from your perspective, what is the domestic policy towards refugees and why do you think that Lukashenko decided to do that even though the rest of the world were not on his side? 
that the answer is pretty easy. Uh, since he falsified elections, he hadn't been recognized as the legal president of Belarus, neither by the United States nor by European Union. So he is in a kind of a cold war with with those uh, with those countries with with the West. And uh, a lot of sanctions were imposed against his regime. And of course, as it poses a threat to uh, his rule, to the economy of Belarus, he decided to go into attack. Mm. And after he uh, attacked uh, or landed the plane, the Ryanair plane with the uh, opposition uh, journalist, mm. uh, Kotosevich, what happened in, in May 2021, 20, uh, uh, the new round of sanctions uh, were introduced. And uh, Lukashenko promised that uh, he will uh, stop um, fighting with with the waves of migrants that go through Belarus. Mm. And uh, what we should remember is that there were no waves of migrants through Belarus. Belarus has never been on the, a part of the route of these migrants from Middle East to uh, Europe. They usually mm. use the southern uh, route. Uh, so he needed, uh, in order to uh, go into attack, he needed to create it artificially. Mm. So he allowed, he changed the legislation and uh, let uh, the people from Middle Eastern countries, from poor countries, to uh, apply for a visa and to receive a visa in an airport. So they could just fly uh, to Belarus, to the, to the capital, apply for a visa and in 10 minutes receive the visa. Mm. Uh, there were a lot of business people uh, close to the Belarusian government who uh, built this business. They had smugglers in Middle East and they had smugglers in Belarus. So all this route was covered by special services of Belarus. And uh, they also uh, opened a lot of uh, air flight routes uh, that didn't exist before, so that uh, the number of people could uh, be increased. So around uh, hundreds uh, people, like every two days, arrived uh, from Iraq, uh, um, Afghanistan, Bangladesh, Jordan to to Belarus, uh, and 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 uh, then they were. Uh, led to the Belarusian border with Lithuania and Poland uh, with a supervillance by, by special forces. Mm. So, of course, uh, he was criticized for this, but his uh, tactics, why he did so, first, his goals were to make the EU talking to him. As, uh, as far as he is not uh, recognized the legitimate president, so he wanted at least that uh, the West uh, would talk to him mm. uh, and to confirm, to recognize that he is de facto ruling the country. Mm. Yeah, so if he can't do this by uh, better relations, by improving the state of uh, uh, people uh, inside the country, mm. I mean, this liberal processes. So he decided to make the EU doing so, creating artificially the problem. Uh, and he almost succeeded. Uh, Angela Merkel, their uh, chancellor of Germany those times, she even called him uh, two times. And I think he was happy with this. But then Angela Merkel was criticized pretty much for this call for talking to the legitimate president who 
created the crisis right. so that uh, European leaders would call him. Mm. Uh, and then she left her post of chancellor and he uh, stayed with nothing. Mm. And a new round of sanctions were introduced against him. So this was a very um, important round of uh, Belarus-EU relations in 2021. Uh, that, 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 sh that is showing that Lukashenko, uh, from his side, doesn't want to give any concessions to the West, and the West uh, doesn't want to give something to, to Lukashenko, even if he creates such uh, huge problems on the mm. board. Pavel, before we get to the relationship between Belarus and the West, I, I do want to go back to the country of Belarus. Now, you think about it, at the beginning, if I'm not mistaken, that you mentioned that Belarus today is one of the authoritarian countries. Now, a couple weeks ago, I had a similar conversation with another journalist or another expert from other countries, and I can't wait to ask you the question is, hypothetically, if you're right that Belarus is an authoritarian country, what does that word democracy mean in this country today? Because let me, let me remind you, on the social media or throughout the entire social media platforms that on the daily basis, the fact is we read that under Lukashenko, journalists or human rights advocates, a lot of younger generations, they're being suppressed and they're being put behind the bars. And that did not show a positive or even what we say to ideal image for Lukashenko. But meanwhile, I wanna know, from your perspective, how should we understand or what is the right way to define the word of democracy in the midst of everything going on? It's, it's an easy uh, question and an easy answer. What usually democracy uh, mean to authoritarian leaders? It means threat to their power. Mm. So this is what democracy means for him and for Belarusians. The Belarusians who oppose him and now is the complete majority of the country, they see uh, in democracy a chance for change mm. in Belarus. As far as they have been living under Lukashenko's rule, uh, as you already described it, uh, ruling with their hard hands, uh, with, with tough hands. So uh, it, it, it was not easy. Uh, I, as I told you before, uh, thousands of people are behind bars because of political reasons. But, uh, but, there are, but Pavel, there are still people who follow Lukashenko faithfully, or there are still majority of the people who believe that he is the answer to the country. So let's go. So, so let me ask that question in another way. What are some of the strategies, or why he was so charming to the people that who believe? he can do something to change the country. In 1994, yes. In 1994, he was a very popular politician who criticized the communist rule, who was a pro-Russian, that is important, and was important for Belarusians those times. And then he just made a coup d'etat in 1996. He changed the constitution and mm. uh, concentrated all the power in his hands. And since 1994, there were no elections in Belarus and no chance to... Uh, ask and get response of people whether they like him or not because in democratic countries you have this electoral processes that show whether the politician is popular or not in Belarus this is not mm -hmm. the case so uh, 
he also in 2010 he even banned and prohibited uh, independent sociological polls in Belarus. So you can't even uh, check uh, the mood of the society this way. So Belarusian experts have to do them uh, from abroad and only online. They are representative, but still, like the, the, this is very showing uh, what is the situation in the country. And answering your question, yes, he still has support. Um, and uh, his support is around 25-30% of people. Mm. They are usually non-educated or uh, not well-educated, uh, so they don't have higher education. Uh, they are of uh, elder population, so uh, pensioners, uh, people from poor uh, families, mm. uh, and they usually don't use uh, online, they don't... Uh, read uh, independent media so mm. they prefer television which is controlled by the government right so this is his his electorate is kind of monolithic it, it uh, uh, hasn't changed since election 2020 according to um, some experts lukashenko received 38 percent not mm. more than 38 uh, percent uh, at those elections though he drew himself 80 percent uh, and Svetlana Tikhanovskaya uh, won the elections with uh, around 62% uh, percent of votes, mm. and uh, official results gave, gave her only 10. Mm. So it provoked a political crisis in, in the country, which is now still uh, going, going on uh, in Belarus. So um, my answer would be that we don't know. Uh, really how many people uh, do like him or not. Mm. Because in democratic countries, usually people can receive uh, information from media. Uh, and in Belarus, now independent media are not only blocked from television or on printed uh, newspapers and magazines. All of this hasn't been existing in Belarus already for years. But now he prohibited uh, even uh, websites mm. that they are blocked. Uh, in Belarus, uh, independent websites, uh, media websites, and also Telegram channels. So media uh, started using Telegram channels to uh, share the information mm. with the people. So now he prohibited them and called them extremists or even terrorists. So when people, uh, one in Belarus can be detained by police and asked to show his uh, mobile phone, and if a police guy sees that you read those Telegram channels with independent media information, uh, one could be arrested mm. and put in prison for years just because he reads this independent right. media. So uh, people are arrested for wrong, wrong color of clothes. Wow. Uh, people are arrested for flags um, in, 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 on the windows. People are arrested for commentaries on Facebook. People are arrested uh, for criticizing the prices of bread in in, uh, in, in shops. So this is like uh, to describe uh, where we are now. It's and the country has changed so much since 2020. In, in, right. It wasn't that uh, uh, hard uh, in Belarus ever. Uh, because Lukashenko feels that he's illegitimate, he knows that the uh, majority of people oppose him, and he knows that this is a big threat for him. So he is afraid that if he limits the repressions, if he stops repressions, if he releases the political prisoners, this would mean for him a new, a new huge wave of uh, people on the streets, and that he could not survive this wave. So he just needs to rely on uh, repressive methods. Pavel, based on what you just uh, what you just described, or how you just described, it's 
I think the word came to me is terrifying. It's kind of terrifying to live that way. Again, you know, it's contradictory to say that we do preserve democracy, but meanwhile, democracy only works that according to someone's idea or according to someone's ideology. Now, I know you're fairly busy. I got two or three more questions before letting you go. Let's get to the relationship between Belarus and Russia. Now, we know that too often in the media, we see the two leaders they stand hand-to-hand -hand with each other. You know, given this history, or given this political uh, uh, partnership. So, Pablo, from your perspective, how would you describe the leaders' relationship between Belarus and Russia, especially under today's situation that I'm sure that you're mindful that everyone, it's, it's sitting on the edge of the seats because Ukraine could be invaded by Russia any minute. So I want to know that from your scope, let's get to the question. How would you, do you describe the relationship between Belarus and Russia? And what is the situation today in terms of you, Russia? It's likely going to invade Ukraine. Go ahead. So uh, they are not easy. Uh, rhetorically, they are allies. Putin and Lukashenko, they are allies in Belarus and Russia. They even have uh, the Union State country, which mm. is the Union State of Russia and Belarus. Uh, that is not a state uh, itself, uh, it's just a, a kind of a unity uh, of two countries. Um, and, uh, but in reality, uh, they have a lot of disagreements under, uh, under the blanket. Mm. Uh, Putin has always wanted more control over Belarus. And Lukashenko, of course, is in uh, a usual authoritarian letter, he wanted to keep his absolute power. For him, it doesn't matter to whom uh, lose the power, either to the West or to his opponents in Belarus or to Moscow. He wants to keep controlling everything happening in, in Belarus. But in 2020, uh, I already explained you why Lukashenko wanted these better relations with the West. He wanted to compensate this dependence on Moscow. Mm. But it ended with these falsified elections and, and a huge wave of uh, repressions against people and sanctions from the West. So uh, since those times, he just needed to be very loyal to Moscow. But his uh, understanding of the politics and his relations with Russia didn't really change. He mm. still wants to keep his power in the country. And Putin wants to get more and more influence uh, over Belarus. Mm. Uh, for Lukashenko, this would mean that he needs to lose it or at, at least to pass some, some of his powers to Moscow. Right. So there are some disagreements between them. They are not well articulated. They are not so very well seen, but they do exist. But now Lukashenko is a very, very loyal politician to Moscow. He mm. agrees to uh, sign some uh, integration agreements with Moscow, uh, which means for Belarusian economy that uh, it is becoming closer and even more dependent right. uh, on, on Russian economy. Uh, he recognized Crimean annexation, which he didn't do since 2014. So he needed to uh, give the signal, to send the signal to Moscow. He also said that he would participate uh, in the war if Ukraine attacks Russia. So he, of course, never says that uh, Russia could attack Ukraine. So he needs to say that if Ukraine attacks Russia, then, then we will be supporting Moscow. Wow. So um, this is his uh, main product, uh, I would call it, the, the product that he can sell uh, to Moscow in order to thank it for for the support that it uh, gives to him, the mm. political and financial support. 
this uh, political loyalty. Uh, but of course, he doesn't want to uh, participate in any war. Mm. Uh, but also, he uh, he can't be as assertive as he was uh, before 2020. Mm. That's why he agrees to these military drills in Belarus near the Ukrainian border. He agrees uh, to allow to let this unprecedented number of Russian troops to Belarus that are now uh, concentrated uh, in different parts of uh, Belarusian state. Okay. Uh, so, um, he his place his space for manure is not very very limited mm. but of course he is still the main uh politician he's still the main decision maker in belarus uh then uh when you read in in, in different western media that he is just a puppet of moscow this is not true this is a simplification uh and um, it, it gives you a very wrong understanding of the processes and of uh, Belarus-Russia relations. But anyway, what we should understand that uh, the trend of uh, bigger dependence of Belarus on Russia is developing and will be developing mm. uh, just because he needs, uh, he needs the support from Russia and Russia wants and pushes him to uh, let them get more concessions from, from his side. Mm. Again, as we mentioned before, let's talk about the relationship between Belarus and the West. Because we know since Joe Biden became the newest president for America, and the entire world is watching his foreign policy. But so far, if you talk to the experts within the international community, majority of them would say the foreign policy under Joe Biden dramatically failed this administration. So that's why, from your perspective, again, going back to your alley, I want you to help us to understand how would you describe the relationship between Belarus and U.S. today, and does Belarus still need politically, socially, from the support of the US. As far as there is no one international actor that could represent Belarus now in the international arena, uh, there is uh, th there are two uh, answers to your question. Mm. So the relations between the United States and Alexander Lukashenko are difficult and uh, as tough as they have never been. Uh, even ambassador uh, of the U.S. that should uh, enter already Belarus, since she criticized the falsified elections and repressions, she uh, was not allowed to enter the country. Mm. Um, the Belarusian government just didn't uh, uh, give her visa to enter the country. So she was an ambassador in exile, uh, working from Vilnius, from Lithuania, and then like the, 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 she received just another, another position because she couldn't be called an ambassador anymore. Mm. Uh, Belarus is under uh, sanctions from the US. Um, already two packages of sanctions were adopted uh, against Belarusian government. And also in, in the end of 2021, uh, Joe Biden signed an executive order uh, like we were presenting the framework for the future sanctions if uh, the situation uh, in Belarus wouldn't be uh, improved. So uh, the last developments uh, between uh, uh, 
Belarusian de facto authorities and the U.S. are that now the U.S. Uh, threaten uh, them with, with sanctions in case Belarus attacks Ukraine or lets Russia attack Ukraine from its territory. So this is the first part. The second mm -hmm. part would be relations between Svetlana Tikhanovskaya, who represents now uh, the opposition, the democratic forces, and uh, she's not an officially recognized uh, leader, mm. I would say. She's, uh, so the, the, it, she can't be compared uh, with Guaido, the, um, the opposition leader in Venezuela. Uh, but uh, since, uh, since that, she already um, had so many meetings with the European leaders. And she also had the meeting with, with Joe Biden mm. uh, uh, last summer. Mm. Uh, talking and answering your question, how would I assess uh, this position of the US on the Belarusian issue? I would say that there were a lot of expectations that the US would be very tough against Lukashenko. Mm. But um, now we see that uh, there there is a lot of real politic also uh, in, the, in, in, in the Belarusian, in the, in the American stance towards, mm. towards Belarus. Just because the United States understand that uh, the more you sanction Lukashenko, the closer and the more dependent it uh, becomes on, on Russia. Mm. Uh, also, there is no uh, clear understanding, and I would say that there are no clear signs that sanctions would really bring some positive developments inside the country. Mm. So the more you sanction Lukashenko, the more he represses the people. This is his uh, usual response to sanctions. So he shows that under uh, no pressure, there is no such a pressure that would m make me to uh, democratize the country or to do uh, anything that you want from me. Mm. So you can push me uh, as you want, but I, 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 I wouldn't give you anything back. Uh, I will be continuing my uh, my strategy in, in Belarus. So these two uh, arguments, they usually broke the sanctions policies. They, they usually uh, oppose uh, the new the new sanctions against against the regime. Mm. That's why uh, Americans uh, and the American government, and Biden's administration, are very conservative uh, on this issue. So they sanction, then they see that no real result happened. They are also very accurate and very uh, so they, they are not uh, really destroying Belarusian economy uh, they are not trying to uh, make Belarusian economy suffer a lot mm. they are trying to send the signal to the Belarusian government that uh, it needs to change its politics mm. but as I already uh, uh, described look, it, it doesn't matter to Lukashenko Right. So, um, the expectations that democratic forces had uh, from Biden's administrations, they, uh, they were not uh, realized. They, they, we don't see it in practice. Mm. But uh, on the other hand, we see that uh, the Biden's administration doesn't want to recognize and play the, on full this real politics strategy. That's right. So this is a balanced uh, foreign policy uh, in accordance of uh, national interests of the United States, not of the democratic forces of Belarus. Well, Pamel, I have one more question, which is the last question. Let's go back to the crisis between Russia and Ukraine. Now, to keep the long question short, how likely do you think U.S. is very much interested in supporting Ukraine at this moment? Because don't get me wrong. 
I've interviewed and talked to a lot more experts within the certain field, and the simple answer would be United States today, it's just only a pep talk. So in other words, it's only a lip service. And from your perspective, if, I mean, I hope and I pray that nothing is going to happen between Russia and Ukraine, but at this moment, we don't know. If something were to take place, how likely U.S. is going to step in or U.S. is really going to pay the lip service as everyone else predicted? I love your wording to describe uh, the current U.S. state uh, to the situation. And I would say that I, um, I see it uh, in a similar way or I saw it in a similar way when uh, Russia brought uh, troops to the border, like hundreds of thousands of mm. uh, people uh, to the Ukrainian border, uh, it seemed that uh, we lack the response from the West and especially mm. from the United States. When uh, the first reaction from Biden's administration was that uh, the United States won't fight for Ukraine. Mm. That, uh, they would impose sanctions against Russia. Right. But for me, it seems that if someone wants to attack and occupy the territory of other country, uh, he's already to he's uh, already ready to uh, yeah, play with any sanctions. Uh, he's already uh, uh, agreed to uh, to, uh, to for those sanctions to be imposed against him. So I would say that this. Uh, yeah, um, the, this uh, re, uh, rhetorical support of Ukraine uh, trying to threaten Russia with sanctions, uh, potential sanctions, they even played more for Russia, inviting Russia to attack. Mm. Because when you know that the price for your attack will be just sanctions, then you understand that, okay, so then why not? Why not go further? Right. Uh, right. Uh, but now uh, I, we see that the situation is changing. Now uh, Biden wants to send American troops to Western, uh, to NATO allies uh, in, in the East. Uh, several countries of NATO, they already supported Ukraine with, with, with weapons, uh, defensive weapons. So um, the more Russia escalates, the harder and tougher response uh, it finds from the West and also mm. from the US. So I would say that the stance of the US is also improving. Uh, so when Putin wanted and showed this ultimatum, sent this ultimatum to the US, I think that he hoped that he could receive some concessions from the West. Mm. And uh, those troops on the border, they would play a role of a special argument. Like uh, that we are ready to go as far as uh, you can imagine. And are you ready to go the same uh, as we uh, do? Mm. And they expected that the U.S. would say, as uh, Washington uh, did, it said that no, we wouldn't fight for, for Ukraine. So this was a pretty good development for Russia. But now we see that they have talks, they have negotiations or a dialogue, how Americans call it. Uh, with almost no result to Russia. So mm. this ultimatum didn't play uh, much for uh, Moscow. And now Putin, uh, he's in a kind of a trap himself. So he even needs to go into attack or escalate even more uh, or step back and to show his weakness. So I would say that uh, now the response from the West is pretty, pretty okay. Mm. So the harder... 
uh, and the tougher you are against this ultimatum, the tougher the situation for Putin is. So when you don't give concessions, but at the same time you um, invite to the dialogue, you invite to uh, a sincere discussion uh, with uh, no uh, lose-lose game, mm. but just for inviting Russia to a win-win game, uh, then it, it could potentially play and it could potentially stop uh, this escalation at the border. Mm. But uh, the problem is that we don't know if Putin already is already ready to uh, uh, to change the Russian foreign policy mm. this way, that it could even occupy uh, the neighboring states. That's right. Because... Uh, the current uh, the, what is the problem uh, between uh, russia and the, the western world now is that in the current uh, world order russia doesn't see itself as a global power and right. it wants to be a global power. Right. that's why it is uh, trying to devaluate uh, and to change uh, the, the, this world order with its uh, aggressive foreign politics with its uh, tactics uh, against neighboring countries provoking nato asking uh, it to uh, come to to the situation of 1997 um, and if putin understands that in the current world order, Russia would never become a global power. Mm. This would mean uh, that he's ready to uh, to change it in any way, mm. in uh, even using the war. Uh, mm. yeah. So if, if it is true, then we are in a very difficult situation. But mm. if it is not true, if he's just bluffing, then... Uh, the West and the West response is pretty, pretty okay from them. I think, again, Pavel, as you said, if Russia decides to become one of the major players in the world, again, that will be another separate, uh, separate topics that when we address the relations between China and Russia and this trilateral ties among China, Russia, and the United States. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Pavel Slankin is a visiting fellow at the European Council on Foreign Relations, and he works on Belarus-related issues such as domestic and foreign policy relations with Russia, the European Union, and the critical relations between Belarus and the United States. Pavel, thank you so much for being on my show. It's been a pleasure of talking to you, and again, we'd love to have you uh, back on our show again as we continue to see how the story begins to unwrap at the border between Russia and Ukraine.